I got to go to Ford's Theater. Yes. Ooh, God, that was sweet. I mean, it's so, I mean, we're talking like these things affect the world. Yes. Right? And like DC is so kind of small in scale, really, but it affects the entire United mm-hmm. States. And it's just so weird to, to think about how much has happened there and how far it's gone. The know? ripple effect on just history in general. For is, sure. Yeah. Inspired by the adventures of our nurses, therapists, and techs. A Beer with Atlas is the only healthcare traveling, craft beer drinking podcast. Each week, we'll open a few beers, talk about the brewery and the style of beer, and then dive into some research curated specifically for each episode. In the end, we hope each one sounds like a conversation you'd have with your friends while enjoying a few cold ones. Welcome to another episode of A Beer with Atlas. I'm Rich. And I'm Brian. Ooh, what was that? I was trying to go low because you went, your, your went volume high. was high, I know. so I was trying to go low. Well, luckily for us this week, producer Dolan is not here. Luckily. Yeah. Luckily. <laughs> he He's won't. on assignment. He is on assignment. As they uh, say in the news biz. Producer Jamie is with us. Hi. And uh, Jamie, by design, yeah. not only because Dolan's out of town. Right. Jamie went to this brewery uh, in Washington, D.C., ironically named Atlas Brewworks. Yeah, right? That works pretty good for us, yeah. Yeah, so there yeah. we go. So, Jamie, tell us about tell us about this beer as we open it up and, and get rolling on it, and then I'll give you some brewery facts. So, uh, this is called The Precious One. Precious. It is an apricot IPA. When we went there for the meet and greet, this was a fan favorite of all of our nurses who were with us. They loved it. Kept hearing people say, you got to try the apricot IPA. And I got to be honest, I'm just now starting to get into craft beer, and I was not a fan of IPAs at first. I didn't really like them. But this one is really good. Mm. has a nice, sweet flavor and... Did you bring a glass with you? you I didn't. I thought that was for me. This one is for you. Okay, we'll make this one for you. We'll do it. Um, Look how nice this is with the new logo. Uh, Anyone that, and we'll put a picture up here. So the picture that you're looking at, however you consume podcasts here, uh, anyone that sends us a beer, we will gladly send them not only an Atlas, a beer with Atlas, pint glass we will also send you the beer with Atlas taster that you see on the picture there. It's amazing. What a deal. Fanciness, right? Steel. Totally a steal. So, it, you so you you are not an IPA fan whatsoever. I wasn't. I'm okay. getting there. Mm. You know that's familiar because that's what Dolan said. Mm, exactly. That's what a lot of people say. That's, that's what, what you said. That's what I said until Fairy Nectar, right? I mean, that mm-hmm. was that was kind of where I was at. I feel so. like you got to work here. It's like, yeah, well, like a cult of IPA. It is. That's true. That is true. But <laughs> or just craft beer in general. You just you have to work yourself into it. Yeah. There there are levels of beer until you get to the IPA, and that's sure. Yeah. But right. now it's kind of the blanket beer. It's like most breweries have one, you know? We've got like five weeks of IPAs coming up here. Oh, shucks. Everyone sends us IPAs now, so which is fine. Mm-hmm. Hey, which I got a, a lager coming your way, mm. so. Man, I've heard smells, about this. Uh, smells very fruity. It does, you know, and... Mm. Mm. Tastes very fruity, too. Mm. Yep. Mm. I like it. There's a little IPA, the bites at the back. Yeah, right? a little if there bit is of, one. There's not much. There's a little bit of uh, the pininess. I'm I'm not surprised that you like this. Then this is, yeah. Well, I think 14 IBUs. That's barely. That's like they put a hop in and they took it out. And they took it. They just dipped yeah. it in for yep. a second. 
the the hops the bag of hops pellets was close to the yeah uh, it was adjacent to, to the kettle right yeah that's what we're going with this hmm I like this I like the the design of the can very mm-hmm. cool now I wonder why is it called steampunk do you know anything about this Rich I do not I do know this is and Jamie you could probably speak to this this is the nation's first all solar powered brewery hmm that's why they won right? that they won an award mm-hmm. I saw it on their website. If you go to their website and you click through, you can actually, it actually takes you to a very official um, kind of tracking site. It says like click here and it shows like how much power that they've used that day, that week, that month. That's cool. That type of thing. And like, there's a little screen in the, in the brewery that kind of shows you like the stats. And Hmm. so that's kind of cool. You get to see that. And then it's like a garage door between the, just the sitting area and the actual you know, brewery, which mm-hmm. is cool. You get mm. to see all of that. Interesting. So the more I get into this, the more just kind of that, that hop smells out at the end. Mm-hmm. So if you're not an IPA drinker whatsoever, this is, this is as, as approachable as you can get. Yeah. With the nice fruit flavor. I guess I don't, apricot, I don't know if I, yeah, I guess so. Okay. I can get the apricot out of at that. At the very beginning, I get it. Like the intake. Yeah. Oh. So Atlas Brew Works is located at 2052 West Virginia Avenue Northeast in Washington, D.C. It's across the street from a uh, graveyard. Oh, spooky. Awesome. A little, little bit, yeah. Oh. It made the beer taste better, I bet. Maybe. Mm-hmm. More, more of a kind of like we've, we've seen other breweries where it's um, industrial park kind of area. Yeah, sure. I, I think so. It's not a great area, to be honest. Well, Kind of sketchy. You got to get that rent. You know? Right. You need a lot of space to brew beer. Well, I can tell you from when I was in D.C. last year, they were building a second one of these places, mm-hmm. right? Yep. And it's directly across the street from the baseball stadium. Yes. So I have a feeling that uh, rent is a little higher than in the old bit. graveyard section. I wonder if it's one of those deals where... Now, are they brewing there, too? I think it was just a tap room so, because it looked like... Um, it did not look like a building you would have real tall... Mm. Um, brewing availability no like it was a pretty small it was almost and not a strip mall building but just a huge building that was broken into other buildings if that makes sense Mm -hmm. yep it was like gonna be like the size of the whole block it looked like from what i could tell well and so nebraska has a lot and i'm only familiar this because of cross train and and and, you know my involvement there but uh nebraska has a law where you can self-distribute to five individual like your own tap rooms rooms, yeah so you can load up your own beer and take it down there right and the biggest cost in that a brewery might have is distribution yes so being able to self-distribute yeah, might nice. offset that cost of it being right down there by National Park. That's one of the main reasons beer is expensive. Distribution. Right? Yes, because they're going to have to pass that on somewhere, mm-hmm. and that usually ends up in your pint glass. It is shocking to see how much, how little money a brewery makes if you're buying it off the shelf at a, at yeah. a grocery store or yeah. whatever, as opposed to the bulk of what they make. If you're getting it out of the tap at the yeah. at the at the brewery, it's almost like a band, like a touring band. Hmm. Where you might buy their album on iTunes or whatever, but if you go there and buy it from them in person or a T-shirt, mm. like they get that money a lot better, way better margins for them. Yes, way better. So uh, open Monday through Thursday, four to ten; Friday, four to eleven; Saturday, eleven to eleven; and Sunday, eleven to ten. Tours available Saturday at noon, two, four, and six p.m. They don't have food, but as you've experienced, they have food trucks, and you can bring food in and. 
Yes. And fun fact, so we actually did get a tour. We went there on a Sunday. They don't have tours on Sundays. We talked them into it, which was nice. Well, we're Atlas too, so yeah. <laughs> strong arm. Had, had good pull there. Totally. Yeah, we um, we just uh, Uber-eated. Uber, what is the <laughs> past tense of Uber-eats? Uber-ate. Uber, we Uber-ate. Uber-ate. <laughs> we Uber-ate. Uh, it's not like eating a lot. Like uh, right. ugh, like five guys or something. Like okay. Just a bunch of hot dogs and burgers. It was yeah. nice. That sounds good, too. Most breweries are... Most every brewery I've ever been is totally cool with that. You can bring in whatever you want. You also can bring your baby. It was very baby friendly. Oh. There were at least three while we were there, huh. and dog friendly. Huh. Interesting. That's the best. Yeah. Well, that's the, you know that's the market now. I, Maddox loves going to breweries with me. One because they yeah. always have some sort of craft pop or yeah. something, right? Yeah. And there's always board games. Yeah. Always. Always board games. Yeah. Yeah. So CEO Justin Cox grew up in Tennessee and went to school at Vanderbilt. Uh, afterwards, he came back to DC to do some, uh, or came to DC to do some government work. Uh, he was a home brewer the whole time, and finally thought, you know what, maybe this whole government thing in for me. I'm gonna, I'm gonna brew some beer. And uh, he met Will Durgin. Sorry, Will, if I mispronounce your name, D-U-R-G-I-N. Will Durgin, and he joined as the head brewer, and they both opened up. The Atlas Brew Works in September of 2013. Uh, in August of 2015, Atlas became 100% solar powered uh, through a partnership with Solar Solution. Like that's the one that you click on and you can mm-hmm. see how much, you know, or whatever. So I, I think that's a lot. That's super cool as, as we've kind of evolved with energy and, and stuff. Having, you know, knowing that you can brew beer just using the sun is pretty damn cool. Pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and like you said, the uh, uh, new location opens spring of 2020, so right in time for baseball. Yeah. How's it always come back around to baseball for us? Yeah, we, we find a way. Yeah. <laughs> it's beer and baseball. They go together. That's exactly right. Beer and baseball just go together. So I was really jealous you got to go here, not only because of the name Atlas. Um, I, was, I think it's super cool. We've got a tin sign here. It sits right behind Brian mm-hmm. on the wall. Uh, but I've, I've heard really good things about their beer. This one is, uh, yeah, super approachable IPA, 6.4% ABV, so low for a for an IPA generally, right? I like, I mean, you know how sometimes it'll say pairings, and this one has the mm-hmm. pairings on the side? Yeah. Duck confit, oh. mascarpone cheese, mm. and dragon boat races. What the hell is a dragon boat race? I assume race? it's some sort of thing they do in the river there. Oh, okay. I'm going to guess. Yeah. Interesting. So I did a little research on the... Um, the award that they got, like the solar panel stuff. Oh, sweet. Because I was wondering kind of more about it. And basically, it looks like uh, DC actually cares about the environment a little bit. Hmm. So there's a bunch of different foundations. Wait, and Wait, wait. Even with all the politicians there? Yeah. What? Well, yes. <laughs> wait Sur- a minute. I was surprised, too. Wait a minute. So I wrote down some of the programs that they are, like, funding and or, um, like, really pushing for. Okay. Uh, one of them is called Our Last Straw. So it's mm. two straws. It was the logo. And it's like, we're not having straws anymore in D.C. They're trying to do that. Nice. Um, one was called River Smart, which was basically cleaning up streets so that trash and junk doesn't get washed down the storm drains. And then that ends up in the river. Oh, yeah. So they're trying to, like, really push for that. Mm-hmm. And then another one was called Skip the Bag. So it was no plastic bags. Okay. And if you wanted one, you have to pay for it, which was true when I was in D.C., I went to a mm-hmm. uh, little CVS to get some uh, chalky milk, as you do for a 
when you travel with a toddler. Hmm. And uh, I had to pay for the bag because I had to walk three miles. So uh, I did pay for the plastic, but I used it again. So they're trying to basically ban those things. And that is the group, I guess, that they won the award from that's doing all these uh, promotional things. Yep. And it was just because of their like amazing use of solar panels. How do you feel about that? Is I, I have a feeling I know how Jamie feels about this. About what? So like the the, what, the environment. Well, no, not the environment. <laughs> I'm a fan. I'm a fan of the environment too. Yes. Like I try to do my part to recycle uh-huh. and, and you know whatever. But the straw thing, I'll tell you what. You want to make you want to make a bajillion dollars. Mm-hmm. Come up with a a reusable some sort of and not the the stuff on the market now is garbage mm-hmm. no one's using metal straws over and over and no one's taking a metal straw to the restaurant uh aaron daly's using one right now he nice. uses one in his cup here <laughs> yes but he's not going to cunningham's over here and to using take us right no right you're okay. not and you're not you're not doing that come up with some sort of renewable reusable recyclable straw that they can just put on your table that you use it and then you just they throw away recycle whatever mm-hmm. like they come up the, they have the paper straws those are horrible yeah they're have junk. you drinking out of the paper yeah. drank out of the paper no they're terrible they fall just apart don't, just they get don't mushy. use a straw then just use, no, use your lips just chug put, it i don't want to put my mouth on the glass <laughs> yeah not with the uh, coronavirus <laughs> what if uh mm-hmm. what if you use bamboo could you use bamboo and, and it grows I, fast it does grow fast i don't you know you could i suppose I don't know. I thought Starbucks had some sort of like big straw breakthrough they were touting. They, they have new cups. Uh, it's you don't need a straw. Hmm. I mean, they they have like a built-in hmm. straw. Maybe that's the thing is come up with a cup that you don't need a straw. My wife still loves straws. She gets mad at places that have paper straws. Right. You know, not that she hates the environment, but she still likes the She's a straw. Of a straw <laughs> She's a straw person. Yeah, yeah I'm not. Totally fine. Doesn't bother me. I'm not. So. How, how about the plastic bag thing? I don't like them. I never try to use them. I, the only time I use them, I save them. Uh, and I use them for picking up my dog's presents. Right. Yes. That's, exactly. yeah. that's the only thing I use it for. Cleaning the litter box. That's yeah. really about. Or like taking my lunch to work. Yeah. Not the same bag. <laughs> Different bag. <laughs> well, if you turn it inside out. Well, yeah. Mm-hmm. But other than that, I'm very for getting rid of plastic bags. Yeah. I'm for it too. Um, this is a funny story from when we were in Russia. We, uh, you, you paid for plastic, plastic bags there, and I didn't know that, yeah. right? And so we're going through this grocery store at the, at the first time paying for our stuff, and we've got all this. We were so typical Americans. It was all junk food. It was like pop and chips and candy yeah. bars and just, you know, or whatever, and they're not bagging it for us. And we're like, what do we do? I don't yeah. know. And so then I go down to like, like there's bags down there, uh-huh. so I pull a bag off, and she goes, net, and slapped my hand. <laughs> oh, and the one guy spoke just a little bit of English, yeah. and he was like, "Money, you have to." And I'm like, "Okay." So I just reached in my pocket, and I had just like a handful of rubles, and I hit, and I just held it out like this. And she looked at it, and she picked out a couple, and that was good. Enough. And then I got two bags, and one of them ripped on the way back to the, <laughs> <laughs> to the apartment. That's, it was that's how you do it. Just make bags that are terribly made, and then yeah. people will stop using. And them. And then people will stop using them. Well, they're already starting that. Mm, <laughs> true, they're getting really thin. Oh yeah. Wow. Mm. I could have I could have gone on a plastic bag tangent, but I won't. Instead, you know what I'm going to do? What? I'm going to give you a little knowledge about apricots. Because mm. I don't, you know, I've like, I've had them. Mm-hmm. I don't know much about them. I don't either. Now we're going to. Okay. It's in the stone fruit family. Uh-huh. Stone fruit, because it has like a pit. Like a cherry? Is a yes, cherry a it's stone in the same fruit? family. And it's also, in the, it's a member of the rose family. So if you trace roses and these are come off the same branch so to speak really? pun intended um they're related to peaches as we would consider or assume because they look very similar 
Um, apricots are usually smaller and a little bit more round. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see what else. Oh, they're related to plums, which is you know similar. But then this mm-hmm. one I thought was interesting: almonds. It's in the almond family. You know, I think I knew oh. that. I didn't. Just because of well, okay, how's this? I knew almonds were related to fruit somehow. Okay. Well, there's the connection. Um, Mediterranean is where most apricots come from. Okay. And like 90% of them in the world come Mm. from these areas. Um, They are high in natural sugar, a great source of vitamin A, I found out. And if you eat them when they're dried, like dried apricots, like a snack, um, really good in iron. So very healthy for you in that way. Oh. The trees are super drought resistant. Which is why you might have seen, I know on my grandparents' farm, they had a tree, an apricot tree. Mm-hmm. Um, Midwest has some, not a lot, mm-hmm. but like a lot of uh, family farms would have had them back in the day. Mm-hmm. Same with cherry trees, are very, they can kind of withstand it. Mm-hmm. Uh, they will grow and live up to 100 years, so that's a, that's a long time. Jeez. Uh, and in California, they showed up, that's how they got to the United States, uh, was in California via the Spanish missionaries in the 1700s. So they have only been here not a not a very long time, about as long as we've been a country, I guess. But so not indigenous to the United no. States. Oh, interesting. No. And the top five producers in the world, I wrote this down, Turkey, Iran, Italy, Uzbekistan, and Algeria. And 95% of the apricots from the United States come from California. Hmm. So that's like the one place that they do grow. I, it makes sense, right? I mean, this low rainfall totals yeah. and, yeah. So that's that's that stuff. Um, you're supposed to, when you get them in the grocery store, if they're not ripe, you're supposed to leave them at room temperature. Okay. And then once they are ripe, then put them in the fridge because otherwise it like stunts the ripening and the taste is not great. So mm. if you ever buy some, uh, similar with peaches, you're not supposed to just throw them in the fridge and mm-hmm. you know forget about it. Uh, you're supposed to let them ripen and then stick them in the fridge. I know with peaches, at least, and maybe this is true with apricots, I don't know. Like, if you want them to ripen quickly, you put them in a brown paper bag and mm-hmm. kind of roll it up, and the carbon dioxide will help them yes. ripen faster. I'm a fan of not ripe fruits. Really? Oh, yeah. Bananas? You like green bananas? Not green, but if it's got a brown spot on it, hit the road. Wow. <laughs> it's not good anywhere. Save no. it for banana bread. Yeah. You could do that. You could use them for smoothies. I think might freeze them. So you want your fur, your fruit to be a little more firm. Yes, I like a like a. It almost bites you back on a plum. Okay, it's like you got to work on it. Mm. It's not one of those where you just put it on your mouth and it just goes. Mm. That's gross to me. Nah, it's that's past its due. Okay, so sorry to share that with you guys. I know that. No, that's like a tomato. Yeah, yeah. I don't want that. Mm, I don't like tomatoes in the first place. (gasps) I will eat them in things. I love salsa. But like, oh, like, yeah. a, like, just like mowing a tomato, like gross. an apple. No, oh, thank you. no, I'm the same. People are like, "Well, oh, you like ketchup." It's not really the same. It's not really the same. Oh, it's thing. too bad. You're missing out. Yeah, tomatoes are great. Some people feel that way, right? <laughs> I do not. Yeah. So that's what you got. A little little apricot teaser mm. for you. Are you a fan of the apricot? I like do. In preserves. Uh huh. Uh huh. Dried apricots. I like the dried yeah. apricots, especially when they chop them up and they put them in the trail mix. Yep. I like that. <laughs> They're good for you. That's mm-hmm. what they say. Bless I'm you. not a huge apricot. I'd rather have a peach or a plum or a nectarine. Is probably my favorite. I, you know what? I'll tell you. I don't know if I could pick up, a, like, pick a nectarine off the thing. Like, just say, like, that's a nectarine. Peaches, oh, really? definitely. Well, nectarine's a little bit more red than a peach mm-hmm. on the skin, the outer skin. And the inside, they have white ones and yellow ones. Okay. The yellow ones are my favorite. But 
you know what? What's a lot of fun is uh, Steve Ryan grows Saturn peaches at his at his house. He's got a Saturn peach tree, the real thin, like the thin ones. Okay, have you seen those? No, Where I don't think so. So they grow f- kind of flat. Weird. And they are delicious. Huh. They're kind of a little more white, and they are pink. Okay. And so then on the inside, the the the, the fleshy part is is white. So what does he do with these? Eats them just plain, just straight up. You yeah. don't. If the deer don't eat them, then yeah, he would. Then yeah. he gets a couple. Mm-hmm. Yeah, nice. but they're super cool to look at as they're growing too, because they're really flat and That's strange. Interesting. You'll see them in the store every once in a while mm-hmm. too. Saturn peaches. Saturn peaches. Mm-hmm. Millions of peaches. <laughs> I had Great to do song. it. Who didn't yeah. think of that song? I had to do it. I like it. So you want to go somewhere next? Where are we going? Well, I, th- I th- you know, we talked about this beer. Mm-hmm. And the obvious thing for me was the precious part. Precious. And I said, okay, I'm not doing that. Because oh. um, <laughs> I would have took, that's like a, it's, it's like a two hour tangent. At least. Yeah. Precious. So what I wanted to do was I kept a DC. Okay. And it's. Quasi political. We're not going to get any mm-hmm. hate mail or anything. Okay. okay. Basically, I wanted to find out about um, the animal symbols. Oh, the donkey, donkey and, the, and the elephant. Yeah. So I wanted to figure out, like, okay, where's this come from? Um, why are they those animals? Okay. How did that happen? That whole backstory. So, have you noticed this is a complete tangent here? Okay. Have you noticed that, and Dolan especially does it. Uh, when we say donkey now, we say donkey. Because, like because of Shrek, all, I do it all the time now. Wow! I just That's did surprising it. Surprising right that Dolan, what he pointed that out. No, no, I just noticed it. Oh, I was listening to a previous podcast <laughs> where said donkey? Travis Hafner, donkey. right? Oh, his yeah. name was his nickname was Donkey, yeah. and he and Dolan multiple times like Donkey. And yeah. that's funny because he hates that movie. Yeah, he does it anyway. Wow! So. That was the only time he came alive during that episode because we brought up Shrek. <laughs> That's true. That he was like true. otherwise in a coma. Yeah, he didn't want to listen. He, he woke up, said donkey, and then he went back to sleep. <laughs> Manny Ramirez? What? Who? No. Yeah. Donkey. That was funny. Anyway, please continue. All right. So here's what we got. We know as it stands now, Republican equals elephant donkey Democrat. Mm-hmm. That's how it's been basically since, from what I could find, uh, about 1830. Or so that's Jeez. been in place. Wow. Um, it first appeared in print um, in like a weekly magazine that they had, and the person that is not necessarily the father of, but it's the person that it's um, they trace back in history to be like, okay, this is why this is why it's stuck. Uh, dude's name was Thomas Nast. Now that name should be familiar to it, you. It is because he's the same person that came up with what we think of as Santa Claus. And we did that episode. Mm-hmm. Love and he also uh, is the person that came up with what we think of as Uncle Sam. So this dude was a baller. Wow. Right? So he's got the poli- the like the politics part. He's yeah. got Uncle Sam and he's got Santa. So he's just America right, all the way. Next you're going to tell me he came up with Bugs Bunny or something. Uh, he, he's before that time. Uh, okay. Um, it was in Harper's Magazine, which is what he worked for. And the cartoon that it was was like... Um, one of, let's see, it was uh, the president at the times, like Secretary of War had passed away. Okay. And they had depicted that person as a lion. And they depicted um, these Southern owned newspapers, um, which they called Copperheads. That was like a Southern Democrat. So they called that Copperheads. Yeah. Okay. Um, they basically drew 
or he drew a donkey as being a Democrat and was kicking this dead lion. Mm. So that was like, they felt like he, they weren't, the Southern papers weren't respecting this great honorable secretary of war. So that's kind of where it starts from. Andrew Jackson. That was his nickname. Really? Before. So that was in like the 1820s, I okay. believe. Right. So he was one of the first people to be called that. It was basically because uh, a donkey, uh, otherwise known as a jackass, the connotations of that has not changed. Uh-huh. So in the 1820s, they were like, hey, we don't like him. He's a jackass. And because he's stubborn. Right. right? So what he did, and I think I wrote that down. Yes, I did. 1833. Um, they call him that. It's all over the papers. It's in some cartoons. Um, he's the first person that is like equated with this. Mm-hmm. Um, but as far as the party goes, that, that happens in a little bit later on, okay. 60s or 70s. Um, but he took the idea of being a donkey and he spun it on him. And he was like, okay, well, I'm going to embrace this nickname. Uh-huh. They say I'm stubborn and I'm dumb. I think I'm determined and I'm steadfast. I don't change. I'm not wishy-washy. I'm, uh, you know, whatever. So he put some positive spin on it. And it's on all, almost all of his, like, um, election stuff, all of his paper documents and posters at the time. Mm-hmm. He, like, really pushed that image. So he took what they were trying to make fun of him for and tried to spin it around. And it must have worked. It's smart. He won the presidency so um the first time it was ever in um documentation as far as like for political reasons it was on a lithograph so that just sounds a long time ago yeah like Mm -hmm. now it would be like in a you know meme on twitter yep back then it was like oh we got to screen print this thing on a piece of metal and you know all this sort of stuff so that was 1837 um let's see what else would i write oh yeah um he so Thomas Nast had seen that lion kicking lion comic or whatever, and he brings it back mm-hmm. um, in 1874, I have. And it's uh, another response to um, kind of like wartime stuff. It's after the Civil War, and it's talking kind of like about Reconstruction and how the Democrats are trying to scare Republicans with this, um, oh, just like the th- I, like reconstruction theories and like how mm. they're angry about it. And, and uh, so they're trying to, the bad things that they're trying to fuel all this, but yeah. yeah. So they're um, like playing that up in the papers in the South, trying to scare the North is how that plays. Some things never change. Yes. Right. So the Republicans in this cartoon, the elephant then is like being scared by this, um, donkey that is wearing a, uh, I think it was like a fox's outfit or a wolf. It's like wearing a wolf's thing. And the elephant's getting close to this big pit that's going to fall into it because it's scared. Oh. And that was what came in that Harper's Magazine. And that's what really like struck. And it's been stuck ever since. Mm-hmm. So as you know, or maybe you don't, some people that might be listening to this, um, the parties basically flip-flop what they believe in, yes. like what their things are, but the images stay the same. So... Um, what we consider a Democrat now was a Republican back then, vice versa, but the mm-hmm. animals have always been there. Yep. Um, the Republican Party has actually said the elephant is their official animal of the party. Like, they've said, yes, we take this, and Democrats have not. So oh. it's just like they don't on like, the down They don't like the donkey. Well, they still sell all sorts of stuff with it on oh, yeah. there and well, stuff, yeah, yeah. but yeah, it's not uh, like they don't hmm. publicize or promote that that's their mm. official animal. Oh, okay. So that's where it comes from. And then it's been kind of just blown up ever since. And now it's like synonymous with the parties and everything. But I was also just looking at the political cartoons at the time. Mm -hmm. And they were really 
different than what we have now. Okay. As far as like, there was so much information they were trying to pack into it. It was like handwritten stuff. Everything had a label. It was all symbolism. Like each animal in this one specifically mm-hmm. was um, representing something else. So there was all these different animals that were easily scared, like chickens and foxes and mm. um, stuff that wouldn't stand up to this wolf or whatever that was really a donkey in disguise. Sure. But it was it was like hard to read it. Mm-hmm. I had to zoom in just to even see it, and I couldn't believe like that was you know. But that was really back then in those magazines, especially. Yeah, that's how like you found out about stuff. There was no other way for them to convey that message at the time. No, that's right? yeah. I think it's so crazy to think about how we are now in this like twenty four hour news cycle but also on the mm-hmm. other side it's like 10 minute news cycle yes like stuff happens and then it's gone yep but then you know 150 years ago it might have took months for you to find out something mm-hmm. you know especially in political things so getting these magazines uh like a lot of people read them and like that's where they got their information so mm-hmm. that's seeing that in a magazine was very impactful for the country i guess as it goes so it made sense they had to pack all that information into that yes. right they're trying to tell a story yeah Whereas now we just kind of click it, we click on it, and then we read the headline in the first. And that's two pretty lines much it. And then we yeah. Swipe out yes, it. and then we do it again next hour exactly. or whatever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So just a way different way of life, but right. Those principles and those images have, have stuck around, and they're still to this day. I remember uh, when I was there a couple of months ago, we did the kind of a tour, like a double decker bus tour. Mm-hmm. There was some hotel. It was a real fancy one. Um, it was on a picture I was looking online just to kind of find the research for this. Mm-hmm. And the hotel is, it's over by the Pentagon and it has a huge donkey and and, uh, elephant like in the courtyard of it, like life size almost. Mm -hmm. And they're painted up um, red and blue with stripes or stars on it and Mm -hmm. stuff. And there's like a big photo op place, but that had been, those had been there for like a hundred years. It's not the Watergate Hotel? No. No. Is that still there? Mm, If it is, I didn't see it. Mm, It was right next to like the news museum, which I know is now closed. Or closing. Mm. There's a oh. museum about news. Oh. Sorry. Yeah. All news is fake anymore, so it doesn't really That's matter. That's true. Yeah, so true. you don't need a museum for yes. it, apparently. There Can I go. tell you guys about the hotel that we stayed at? Absolutely. So this place was called the Hotel Hive. It had a bee theme. H-I-V-E. Hive. That's cool. Yes. Huh. It, was, it used to be a hostel, and then they transformed it into a hotel, mm. and it's only about like three years old. This place was... The most modern nice place I've ever stayed. They didn't have um, refrigerators in the rooms. They mm. didn't have like, I mean, it was. And so we, uh, the four of us that went, uh, it was uh, me and um, Kelly, one of our recruiters, and then Vincent Braden. And Kelly and I um, upgraded, I guess, to like twin bedrooms. And that was still really small but Braden and Vince had bunk beds yeah and that was pretty much that was all in the room just the bunk beds and a bathroom and that's it you could not sit anywhere there was just the bed there's no desk or anything a little desk almost like a like a ledge if you will Uh, one that was just in the way (laughs) yes (laughs) tiny 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 rooms but they were very cool and the bar was really cool again just a bunch of be iconography like the just the design had all these like comb Hmm. designs very very cool and i'll just give them a little shout out they had some of the very best hospitality right in downtown Mm. dc so it was easy to get everywhere they were super nice and accommodating and kelly and i's room she had this like 
I don't know, just a hairdryer that had all of this like mist and it set off our fire alarm and it went off for three hours. Oh, could geez. not figure out how to turn it off. They had multiple people come into our room. Like we, we left. We weren't going to deal with it anymore. Yeah, right. But they comped our room. Oh. So they're like, hey, I'm so sorry this happened. You Ooh. don't have to pay for like two nights. They were so nice Ooh, to us. Awesome. So if you want to stay there, and it's like cost effective too. Like it was, I don't know what the budget was for it, but I mean, it wasn't very expensive. So if you guys are staying in DC, go to this place. Check it is it very, very cool. Try to, try to turn on the uh, smoke detector. <laughs> right. And if you have, I mean, it works, right? Like, yeah. you know that their, their stuff works. Huh. If you like craft beer, they have craft pizza. Uh-oh. Oh, tell me more. Uh-oh. Oh, so good. You don't know. You don't know. Like <laughs> so good. Uh, like if Brian had to give up beer or pizza, I think he would have. He would give up. He would just beer like, in order to eat pizza. Such yeah, good pizza. It was like they had one. I think it was called like it was either the Dirty Bird or the Angry Bird, and it ha- it was like mm. a like a um, buffalo chicken yes. with like egg. Yeah, oh, it was yeah. really good. I hope it's the Dirty Bird. I just, mm. That just sounds more <laughs> that's, fun. To that's me. way more fun. Yeah, yeah. stay at well, DC. I, I mm-hmm. think that's right. I was surprised when I was there. I figured everything would be super expensive. Like mm. I was ready for like fifteen dollar beers and like mm-hmm. crazy price, and it really wasn't that bad where we stayed. Really, we stayed right by the river, um, right by. God, where was it? I can't remember what the name of it's called. I, I could tell you on a map, but mm. it was like this boatyard area, and they had like. Uh, um, fish market okay like and shrimp mm-hmm. and stuff like right there off the mm-hmm. river and it was in the airway airspace towards the white house okay so these huge military helicopters would fly over the river in this like all the time like every half an hour and then you would see these big helicopters come flying through Ooh. and there was tons of restaurants there was like a ben and jerry's ice cream shop no way ben and jerry's oh wait just kidding that too. Dolan, Dolan cut this out. I thought you said Maggie Moose. Oh. <laughs> like, wait, that still exists? I'm so that sorry. would be great. Do not cut did. this out. No. Leave that in. Okay. Yeah, leave it. C- so. Continue. So they had, yeah, been like I'd never seen one of those before. Yeah. So you could go and get your favorite flavor right there. You get Cherry Garcia. Mm-hmm. Ooh, I love you could that. have that. Mm-hmm. They had uh, like British pubs and pizza and Mexican places. And mm. it was all this little hot spot right in this little area where we stayed. And it was walkable. It was right next to the Spy Museum. Oh, and it was, was about... Awesome. A block from that was the mall. So, like, me and mm-hmm. my kid walked everywhere in this certain central area, mm-hmm. got to go to all the Smithsonian museums that we wanted and all that stuff, and totally walkable and real close to where we stayed. And I had a blast. I was surprised. I didn't want to go. Mm-hmm. It's one of those trips my wife was like, all right, we're going to, you know, she had to work every day. Yeah. And taking a toddler, I was like, oh, I don't want to. But when we got there, we had a lot of fun. You had a good time. You went to the Spy Museum too, right? Yes, we did. How was that? Well, unfortunately, we didn't really get a chance to actually look at anything. We went there for a scavenger hunt, which was a ton of fun. So we broke out into teams, and then they gave you a list of just different things you're supposed to look for and fill out the form. And then um, the winners got like 20% 20 off in the gift store. But it was fun. And I felt kind of bad for all the other... uh, attendees who were not a part of our group because we were just like oh, running, running around and yeah. like yeah. almost like shoving people out of the way to like get the clues but hmm. it's a cool place if you have a chance to go there and you have some time mm-hmm. i totally suggest going to it because it's less busy than the smithsonian places mm-hmm. but you can definitely learn as much or more it's really cool when you walk in they give you like a code 
you have like a code name and if you want to like play along with it you're you're like a secret agent and you have all these different video screens that you can go to and uh you like basically crack codes that they give you decrypt things you have to go and find different things in there similar to what you're talking about but it was like a mission that you had so when you got there you give they give you this like id card and you scan it tells you your backstory mm-hmm. where you're from who you are what you're trying to do and all the different places in the museum there's things for you to achieve so at the end you've got to figure out like who did what or did you make it were you un um were you not found out basically did you oh sure did you do your mission and it was really cool and they had actual stuff of like stuff you'd want to see like okay this was a camera and a book in the 40s in germany like they had that sort of stuff Mm -hmm. and they had like one of the things i remember was a pigeon that had a camera like attached to it like this was like in the 20s or 30s and it was like a it was so funny but it was like a harness for a pigeon that had a camera that had like a long lens on it and they would just fly this over and get like military information then then it would come like a homing pigeon it would come back to them with this film and then they would develop the film and see what what they could find. They would train the pigeon mm-hmm. to fly with this camera on it. Yeah. They've been training pigeons for a long time. Long time. Like, okay. And then they also had more like modern stuff too, like how they, you know, if there's like a, you know, bomb suspect or 